Oh, yes, and welcome, welcome, strange new pod viewers, to Trek Time. Glad you could join us. We are here hijacking, usurping, taking control of the channel to talk about the things in Star Trek that matter the most. Most importantly, the relationship between Jean Luc Picard and Wesley Crusher. I am joined by some of my faithful, faithful hosts here. Below me is the wonderful, the very literary fluent, one of the most knowledgeable people on. Star Trek that I have ever known, Mr. Stars and Garters, also, as you might guess, a big X-Men fan. Da -da 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 -da. Stars, how are you this evening? Are you ready to crush it? I'm well. I'm going to try not to swear as much as I usually do, but I do not think I'll be able to make it. <laughs> it's fine. Because I've made it available not for kids, so that's fine. So, you know, okay, maybe, okay. maybe we'll be we'll restrained for the new good, audience, good. but maybe we'll be restrained for our new audience. On the right of me is uh, Star Trek New Voyager's Sulu himself, uh, Academy Award winner, nominee, appreciator, Shireporn. <laughs> How are you, my friend? How are you doing this evening? I am, I am very good, thank you. I'm glad to be uh, awake. We have been nominated. No, very appreciative, and thank you very much to Julian and the Strange New Pod crew for inviting us here this week for their Captain Picard week. We are all hyped for Picard season three, and this seems like a great way to um, get involved with it and start doing something for the wider, uh, wider uh, Trek audience. So this is going to be fun. It's good to make some connections as well. It's been fun, sort of interacting on their Discord and having a, having a play with the guys. But very thankful for giving me complete control over your channel as well. <laughs> the things I can do, but I won't. I shall be good. Excellent. Okay. Yeah, no, this would be a nice way to diversify out of our usual viewers of, yeah. like, say, like, 50-year-old men who use this to fall asleep as a sleeping <laughs> aid and a few potted plants, you know. <laughs> Shai, when you first started watching our channel, were you one of those 50-year-old men that used to watch it to fall asleep? No, no, I was I was uh, 47. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. Time. But that was very, soon, very soon I will movie. be 50. <laughs> and uh, for those of you looking for a lovely sleep aid, this is your channel. <laughs> Thank you. The highest compliments. We will help you. We will help you get off to a comfortable rest in the best way possible. Okay. We have to address the very first thing. Whenever you're talking about Picard and Wesley, we have to address the very first thing at the top of the show, which everybody is thinking, but let's just get it out of the way. Shut up, Wesley. There we go. It's there. The infamous line. We're putting it out there. The shut up, Wesley line. It's been memed to death. It's been bit of a bear for Will Wheaton, really, because, I mean, he's got to have tolerated so many fans coming up to him saying, Shut up, Wesley. But, you know, never... Shut up, Wesley. You know, never, never the alternative. Um, I'm, 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 I'm kind of upset you don't have the third where she says, Shut up, Wesley. Oh, no, that's true. I don't. I don't have the slap either. Yeah, no, no, that would have been the perfect... Come on, that was the layup, man. <laughs> it's ruined now. It's ruined. The whole pod's ruined. Oh, well, we'll have to get... Quick apologies as well, chat at the side of the screen isn't coming working because mine's synced to the Twitch channel and it's on the YouTube, but if you want to see the chat, if you want Strange Street Pods channel. Anyway, 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 anyway. So, I'd like to start us off by addressing a, a fun theory. The fun theory that came about, I, I heard of it fairly recently and I thought, mm, maybe this has got a few legs. Maybe this has got legs. So we infamously know how Jack Crusher died. He was part of a, a team that was led by Captain Picard uh, that... Um, invariably ended up in his demise. How much do you guys subscribe to the theory that Picard, who was always a little bit infatuated with Beverly, was always a bit sort of on, on the kind of a ha 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 ha, or even a <laughs> side of things. Um, 
how do you feel about the theory that uh, Picard may have let Jack Crusher die so he thinks he'd get a bit of a shot at Beverly, not realising that she's actually quite in love with him? And that Wesley may actually be his actual son. Okay, so I think we have to address this as two separate theories, right? Like, the theory that Picard actually may have intentionally put Jack at risk, like, do you not find that a bit fiction-destroying? Yeah, like, a little bit. Like, Picard has his flaws, right? But I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about his flaws at, like, uh, at length here. Um, but I never, ever would put premeditated murder of a friend on there. Um, I mean, season one Picard, you know, maybe. No, that's what no, they say no, no. about every serial killer. You never would have thought it. He was the nicest boy. Look, when when Picard ordered Jack Crusher into the ion pod during that ion storm, and then hit eject pod during the yellow alert before the red alert, I think we might be getting our episodes clearly confused something. <laughs> Does oh, yours my, have I'm Samuel? Does Samuel T. Cogley there? Was he? Yeah, my my entire theory is shot. Never mind. Yeah, he was the one who had to uh, go against Philippa Louvois during the court martial. Oh, Stargate. of course. How could I forget those classic courtroom episodes? Yeah. Actually, funnily no, enough, I, I if, find yeah. if you've read one of the prequel book, books, uh, A Buried Age, written by Christopher L. Bennett, mm. does actually have Chris, uh, 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 Louvois taking Picard to the trial for the the loss of the Stargazer, which is yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. No, I, I find it a, a fiction destroying theory because it's like that goes against everything that we know of Captain Picard as an actual character, as a moral paragon, as a person of philosophy and who is good at controlling his own emotions and takes pride in that control. Now, the sub theory that Wesley may or may not be Picard's actual son, that has a bit more legs to me. That mm. I could kind of see. Um,. But I don't know if... It, it, that depends more on your read of Beverly, which is a very different discussion. Well, look, let's... let's, you, let's, let's okay, sorry, Shah, you say your point, and then we'll... we'll do a no, comment. I don't... Yeah, look, how can Wesley be Picard's son? He doesn't have any sort of British accent at all. It, it just <laughs> doesn't... Like Tom Hardy, it doesn't they? track. <laughs> yeah. I'm... Yeah, okay, well, let me point you to this, the following scene, which... Mm. Yeah, take a watch of this. I knew your father, Wesley. Want to look around? It's just like a hotel room. <laughs> but don't touch anything. Real wood veneer. <laughs> Is that a Cleon? <laughs> Are they part of the Federation? Shut up. I regret choosing this sweater. <laughs> there are all these ensigns looking at like this little child being allowed to sit in the captain's chair. Like I'm gonna be spending like ten years since I get to do that. Log entries, library, computer access, retrieval. View screen control and intercom and so on. Here we have. I'm here, the backup plan and ops panels, plus shield and armament controls. Mm. Uh, the uh, forward view screen is controlled for the ops position there. Which uses high resolution multi spectral imaging sensors. How the hell do you know that, boy? 
Primitive alert, Captain. Wesley. I'm sorry. Wes, you shouldn't touch Get off the bridge. Both of you. <laughs> you have a perimeter alert, sir. As my son tried to tell you. Airlock him. <laughs> I mean, I like how Worf is pretty much what's her face from Galaxy Quest. It just repeats what the computer says. Yeah, Tony Madison, yeah. It's it just, it just pretty much, you know. Perimeter alert, Captain. Wesley. You have a perimeter alert, sir. <laughs> <laughs> what's that, Worf? You have a perimeter alert, sir. Oh, thank you, Worf. Cheers. <laughs> Um, no, so yeah, you know, how immediately after the surprise of seeing, oh wow, Beverly has a son, oh yeah, of course I knew that, I knew that, I, I sired the boy, but uh, he knew Beverly had a son, but he was still shocked to be like, oh, I'd better let him on, rather than kind of being like, who is this whelp, you know, like he did with any other children, he was automatically more um, open, so I'd like to, to poke that theory a little more. You think okay. it was guilt? You think that was guilt openness? Actually, you know, all joking aside about the theory, definitely guilt comes into the factor of Wesley Crusher because, oh. as we'll talk about later, you know, he was in charge of the mission that um, led to his father's death. So, one of Picard's biggest flaws is uh, he is awful, absolutely god-awful, at emotional intimacy. Hmm. Um, this is the actual crux of why he is bad with children and why he doesn't like interacting with them is that when, especially if you're interacting with young children, um, you need to be able to be emotionally intimate and emotionally open to them because they respond better to that. You know, they respond better to if you're honest and if like you go along with them, you, they don't respond well to lies or to being told what to do a lot of the time. Um, and that's Picard's kind of modus operandi is like he, because of his own fam familial history, which you know Picard season two and everything else went into. Um, he's bad at emotional intimacy, um, and I feel like you—it's rare to see him act like that uh, in that scene you just showed. Um, and I think it is primarily guilt that's propelling him to do that, mm. and also just like pure shock and being set aback because. Yeah, he knew that Wesley existed. Like, you know, he probably uh, probably wrote a very nice old like hollow message, like, oh, you know, like congratulations on the sun. But I think the implication is that he never saw him, or maybe he only was only like a, a baby or whatever. Think, we don't know the exact specifics. Do you think he sent one of those cards that opens up and it plays a song? <laughs> and he play, it no, he sent one of those boxes on the with Armin Shimmerman in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it explained a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's like, how does he show emotional intimacy? Well, he tries to connect to Wesley through something that he knows and that can share with him. Um, and he does his best in that scene, but because it's, it's partly season one Picard, but it's also just Picard at his core is not very good at letting go of control and he's not good at being emotionally open. Mm. And the instant something happens that is outside of his control, he is just like snaps back into that commanding officer you know, thing rather than trying to be a parental figure, which I don't think he's consciously trying to do that. I don't think he is like, oh, I'm your dad now. I, th I don't think that's in his brain at all. But right. well, this there's is a part of him well, that did always want children like that. Yeah, one of Picard's greatest character arcs across mm. TNG and even through Star Trek Picard is his growth in being able to relate to children, to mm. young people. Right, and this is the this is the start of that. This mm. this you see where, as you say, he's completely unable to connect uh, intimately mm. to uh, barely to other adults, certainly not to children. Yeah, but this is this is like this is like figuratively his his uh, son being born, even if he's not his actual son. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so this, and you know, no parent uh, knows how to parent before they have a child. So this is oh, you, do not. you do not. Uh, yeah, uh, exactly. Just to explain to people that don't and know you, the channel, I, I have a couple of children myself. Yeah, they do not give you the manual that says, this is actually how you do everything. You just have to work it out on your own. And that can suit, it, that's everything physical and emotional, which I, as they're hitting like seven years old and they start to turn into sort of little proto-teenager, is becoming very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when Idol meets his children, it'll be uh, really like a start. Um, They're still stuck in yeah. Get off the bridge. <laughs> yeah, when you trace this to his scenes with Kestra in uh, Star Trek Picard, um, yeah. and how like gentle and easy he is with, with Kestra Troy, mm. Troy Riker. Mm. It's, it's it's a wonderful character arc. I think he goes in reverse. Here, I think yeah, it's in, very awkward. From Picard, he's like fine with the kids, but when it comes to the adults, he turns into a bit of a dick, you know. <laughs> Especially his interactions with Raffi in, in, in season one, where she's like trying to overcome her addiction, and like he's just like, Haha, bravo! And she's like, I'm having a moment here, Picard. Jesus Christ, give me some space. Well, yeah. that's a different conversation. Mm, um, that is a different conversation. Yeah, it's, it's also this thing that I find interesting. I don't know if you maybe would agree. But Picard is primarily a man of letters, I would say. He is a man of philosophy, he is a man of history, of archaeology, anthropology. He is a scientist, like, you know, he knows his astrophysics, um, you know, he's a Starfleet officer, of course he knows, you know, all of his, like, starship operations. But he is primarily a man of letters, of, like, you know, like, of talking and of, you know, humanistic disciplines, as it were. And Wesley is not that. Wesley mm. is awkward. Uh, Wesley is way more happy poring over technical manuals. Speaking as someone who grew up uh, mostly with like um, just his mother and like with no uh, like a fatherly figure in his in his life, really, um, that can have quite a, a destabilizing effect on sort of your perspective on what you're meant to be like. Um, and he's way more interested in he's a man he's a he's a boy of numbers who you know, grows to embrace that through his old traveler arc. Um, and that disconnect is also kind of at the heart of what makes their relationship interesting, is the contrast of, I'm a humanist, you love numbers, and, you know, the, the science of the universe. And we can both connect on, you know, love of science, because we're, we're both in Starfleet, or, well, you know, Picard encourages that dream anyway. But it almost strikes me that um, Picard would have had an easier time trying to connect with someone like, say, Jake Sisko, who ended up becoming a writer, <laughs> and Ben Sisko would have had an easier time connecting with uh, Wesley because he was working at the Utopia Clemesia and is great at engineering and, you know, does all these little side projects and things. They would understand each other better, but that doesn't make for an interesting dynamic on screen. You want to see the conflict. You always want to... That's how you bring out the interest in the character is you put them across mm. uh, to their opposites and draw out the awkwardness and see what happens when they're forced to grow rather than everything going easy because your child is just like yeah. you, which they never are. And I think, you know, you can see it early on. It's probably written into the show Bible that this Picard and Wesley interaction would be sort of a big part of both the characters' growths, especially when it leads into disaster, mm. which I think was disaster after um, Final Mission. I believe it was. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. And I think, Final you know, was like season four. Yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, and you can start to see the growth of Picard having dealt with Wesley sort of and then dealing with the children and trying mm. to be, you know, he's using those experiences like to try and reinforce where he's been. And it is a growth and that growth happens, uh, continues on. 
Slight sidetrack. Can we just say how much of a trooper that Will Wheaton is for this year? Because uh, for for his uh, not this year, sorry, for his uh, existence in entire track, life. for entire really? life, because he's put up with so much Wesley hate um, over the time, which is you know very much undeserved. You know, Wesley is um, f- for a certain perspective of a certain life is an annoying character and is a bit of a sometimes can be a bit of a Mary Sue character at times. You know, because it's like it's the kid that can do everything. Well, you know, in a kind of almost sort of like 1950s boy wonder kind of way, but. Mm. Um, he does grow. The character does grow as the show grows, um, especially sort of uh, later in the season. You know, with things like you know the f- uh, the first duty and things like that. Um, but yeah, absolutely true for Will Wheaton for putting up with that, for really kind of embracing the memes and sort of running with it. Um, Shy, I have a question for you because I was, I think I was about six when TNG first aired, and I have some vague, vague memories of it, but I didn't start getting into it till I was a little bit older. But you were there at the start. You you watched it as it went. What were your thoughts on Wesley Crusher as a character being a main character in a show where you were like oh no they're adding an annoying teen or were you a bit more open to it no I, I you know I was probably in middle school uh when the show de- debuted and I was not having the Wesley character at all I I I didn't particularly care for the way he was written or his performance I didn't know why he was wearing uh the Dr. Huxtable sweaters all the time and when they gave him a semi-uniform i didn't know why it had like a rainbow stripe i mean i get it it's it's the section colors across the top of his uh fitted sweater but it it didn't look official in any capacity i would have much rather some sort of cadet uh uniform for him um and the show just never took advantage of will wheaton's talents like you know, they cast him, I assume, off of his performance in Stand By Me. And if you mm. go back and look at Stand By Me, he's best when he's playing off of someone. Like his scenes with John Cusack as his older brother in that movie are really good. His scenes uh, sort of contending with Kiefer Sutherland, his, his the bully character in that, mm. in that oh, movie, God, are, are really was in good. That. Wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's the whole Lost Boys uh, cast yeah. is, in, <laughs> is in Stand By Me, essentially. I was actually thinking 24, um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so my favorite Wesley character uh, episodes are when he gets to play off of someone uh, like uh, Ashley Judd. Hmm. Or, I was say the game, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the Dauphin, or, or even when he's dealing with uh, building his own science-like team in Pen Pals, like, is, is a B story. Like, that's... That's coming a of age of, as well, yeah. right? Good growth, um, final mission, of course. Mm. But when it's just Wesley, sort of sciencing, doesn't it? Doesn't uh, yeah. it? Never really worked. And you know, Wheaton. I know he's gotten a lot of flack for this, and I, I hate to pile on, but there's there's a certain sort of weird snide range that he sits in sometimes when he's not acting with someone else directly. It. it, it it just rubbed me the wrong way as, as a kid. Now I can appreciate it a lot more. But, yeah. I think it's kind of drunk, drunk performance in the naked now as well is is mm-hmm. kind of kind of fitting as well. Kind of got that arrogance of a teenager. I know what I'm doing. Almost kind of like in a who was it in TOS who did the same thing when he locked out in the naked time. Who locked out the uh, the trend? Was it locked out the engineering room? But it's just it kind of kept exuding oh, that same yeah. kind of energy, like with a bit of smug cockiness, with with this kind of inexperience showing through, but that kind of unveiled the inner workings of the character. That um, that kind of I think that the character of Picard probably saw 
and would have probably played on that side. I know who this boy is inside, but I know what he shows on the outside. As um, And then when it came to where no one has gone before, um, mm. when we get to the interactions with the Traveller, well, take a look at the clip. Ah, oh, Wesley, come on the bridge. Move. Commander Riker has told me how supportive you were in engineering. Well done. Oh, at ease. Uh, sit here in command. Captain. It's not allowed. Your orders. Oh, I'm the true. captain, Will. Well, uh, I uh, can't wave them again. Only commissioned officers. It's quite all right, sir. I understand. Please don't interrupt me, Wesley. I'm sorry, sir. Any commission rank, even Ensign, that would give him authorized access to the bridge. Well, then I'll have to make him an acting Ensign. Captain's log, stardate 41263.4. The big Riker smile. For outstanding <laughs> performance in the best Starfleet tradition, Wesley Crusher is made acting Ensign for the duties and privileges of that rank. And whether that rank becomes permanent, Mr. Crusher, depends on you. At the earliest opportunity, your entrance application for Starfleet Academy will be tendered. Until then, you will learn this ship, every operation, every function. Commander Riker, a duty schedule for Mr. Crusher, heavy on study. Aye, sir. Meanwhile, you can sit here and learn something. So that kind of, you know, he started to accept that, you know, Wesley's actually, oh Christ, this kid has, is more than just, you know, Jack's son. He's more than just a gifted, mm. you know, child that's probably going to Starfleet. Oh, hang on, the traveller seen something in him. There's, which would pay off later with, you know, his uh, other dimensionally travels and eventually, um, you know, lead to the end of Picard season two. I won't spoil what happens there, but um, yeah, the the, the starting the start to rec the recognition from Picard to sort of see like, oh, actually, we need to keep him closer to us to see what he can become. But look, look how they've they've hamstringed poor Wesley here in this scene. This what is with this orange monstrosity this draped oh, that, about? No, 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 no. Torso. I would like I would like to repeat what uh what Ricard Picardo said in chat. That is that is a great jumper. I want that jumper. That's like a proper nautical sailing jumper they would knit for going out and catching ten thousand herring. Like that's really good. <laughs> that is madness. But but more to the point, what Picard says he's his journey is supposed to be would have been great to watch. It would have been great mm. to see Wesley like interning with every different section of the of the ship you'd like to see him working with wharf uh insecurity going through some mock bar training you know not just stuck in engineering solely it would have been well, yeah. great to see him learning everything across the ship i mean are you not just disappointed that older will wheaton just doesn't look like william a wallace from hide and q is that reason that you're so bitter now shy <laughs> he hasn't quite I'd turned be more bitter if if he did look like him i'd be very bitter actually <laughs> This that is what the scrawny young boy is going to turn into. older casting I've ever seen. Maybe the most <laughs> off-based ever. Because it's the 80s. Like, if you're not, like, some hench, blonde, swooning hunk, then you're nothing. <laughs> Who would probably later die of bonitis. <laughs> yeah, Wesley grows into Patrick Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> He's sitting over engineering, just sweating over the business cards. Anyway, before this turns into an American Psycho podcast... Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Go on. Um, so I think this does tie back to the fact that yeah, this is another thing that Picard is bad at. He is not. He is great at helping someone become a Starfleet officer, but 
Wesley is one of those characters where his path may have taken him through Starfleet, but I don't believe that there was ever really a part of him that was like, yeah, I want to go out and, you know, explore strange new worlds and, you know, seek out new life. I don't think that's really his drive. Like, we don't get to hear him say what his drive is, like, really kind of directly. Hmm. He seems to want to succeed academically. He seems to want to make everyone proud. He's interested in, like, mathematics and warp theory and all this. But he never says, I want to be an engineer. I don't think I ever heard him say that. Yeah, uh, It's all just sort of informed for him, and everyone kind of intuits, well, you're good at it, so I mean, surely you want to become a Starfleet engineer, right? Listen, well, he knows I'm every aspect of this. Yeah. He knows everything about the Starship operations. Like, he knew everything, every part of the captain's chair in that first episode. I think it's implied I can that remember, he wants to join Starfleet. I remember a time implied, myself, but... when I used to be that awkward teenager that wanted to just impress everyone that people were pushing, because, mm. you know, I'm a pianist, and my dad was like, you're going to make millions, you're going to go out and do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Dad, I didn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm here now. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I, I can definitely appreciate that angle of being, uh, a, you know, an early teenager that hasn't expressed an interest in this and is doing well academically, yet doesn't have a direction. Like, I never had a direction. I still don't, really. I've just kind of fallen into jobs. Um, but, you know, it, some people do, some people don't. And I kind of appreciate that angle of Wesley Crusher that he he's just there and he's kind of doing what he is at the time because, you know, he's been... Little, he has to be where his mother is, you know, because of the family angle. Yeah, well, th that's sort of why I don't mind that the it, it, that the journey kind of goes that way. But it is it is kind of a failing of Picard and, to a lesser degree, kind of Beverly. That like no one ever really asks Wesley, "What do you actually want to do?" They all just see his interest in Starfleet operations, which obviously is a thing. But I think that's more of a case if he is interested in the underlying theory and in how systems connect and the actual engineering prowess that goes into creating a galaxy-class starship rather than the case of i want to use these systems you know like if you gave like you know beverly that kind of access what does she do she creates a biomedical lab and does tons of genetics research if you give that to jadzia what does she do she scans a, a wormhole and she's like oh i'm gonna you know this is gonna be a scientific I day to last me a lifetime and what like, does Janeway gave... do? She finds something and then she no, shoots you... torpedoes at it. No, sorry. Well, yes. But it's like, if you gave Wesley that power, I don't think he'd be like, oh, I know exactly what I want to do with this. I think he'd be case of, he just finds it like awe-inspiring. Like, I find, mm. I think he finds like that numinous feeling in just the majesty of how engineering works. Um, and that's why the Traveler works so much better as a parental figure and connects with him so much more directly than Picard ever can. Because Picard is trying to... Picard is doing his best, but he's he's not a, a person who can raise a child. He never has pretended to be. Um, so he's doing the best he can with the tools he has available to him, and he's kind of pushing Wesley into this mold. And that's why I don't think that it really comes as much of a surprise or a character break when the first duty happens and mm. you see, oh, Wesley kind of doesn't maybe isn't Starfleet material and mm. then Journey's End as bad as it is does kind of hit on the right note of yeah I don't think Starfleet really is for Wesley I don't think that Wesley responds well to that kind of environment all the time like there are times where it spurs him to to greater heights like in peak performance where he's like you know the the pressure can push him to you know be a little bit underhanded and have a bit of fun with things and like express himself and push things but a lot of the time it seems like he kind of chafes at it. It seems like he's someone who's way more interested in the majesty of it all rather than mm. I want to be an engineer, you know? 
but I think it's still a, a valuable experience for him, right? You have to oh, yeah, absolutely. go in that direction to learn that it's not the way you want to be going. Yeah, precisely. Um, let's go back onto Picard and, and Wesley and how sort of how they interact a little bit. And I want to loop back around to Picard opening up to Wesley a little bit. Um, have a quick, mm. have a quick wee look at this clip. Mr. Crusher, mounting your dress uniform for Admiral Quinn's farewell dinner. I didn't think that would be appropriate, sir. Why not? I failed, Captain. I didn't get into the academy. I failed you, and I failed the Enterprise. Ridiculous. I'm on my way to the airlock now. Did you do your best? Yes. When you test next year, and you will test next year, do you think your performance will improve? Yes. Good. The only person you're truly competing against, Wesley, is yourself. Then you're not disappointed? Wesley, you have to measure your successes and your failures within, not by anything that I or anyone else might think. But um, if it helps you to know this, I failed the first time, and you may not tell anyone. <laughs> so, yeah, we see the first sort of... Um the first instance of Wesley failing, you know, him failing the academy was a great little rider stroke. Mm. You know, he could have been the boy wonder and just gone straight through. No, no, there's always, yeah. there's always a bigger fish, as Qui-Gon would say. Um, but, you know, we see Picard actually opening up to him the first time saying, I failed. You know, he, he saw the, you know, the reassurance that Wesley needed to progress, which was quite a nice moment and quite a little bit unexpected for, especially opening season. That's more something you'd see from Picard in later seasons, you know, you know uh, definitely the sort well, of... Well, it's you, that emotional intimacy. Absolutely. He's, he's actually learning that people respond well when you open up about your own experiences and allow hmm. them to, you know, when you allow yourself to be vulnerable. Um... Also, could we just like take a moment to reflect on that test was such fucking bullshit. <laughs> like, really, really, yeah. you want to tell me everyone goes through that gamut of freaking like ridiculous no tests to it? get into Starfleet Academy? Like <laughs> that, what the process is for everyone? So like, I, I have to rationalize that it's some kind of prodigy program because it's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, he's definitely advanced track. That's an advanced track test. Yeah, yeah it's got to be. But, um. It is really interesting because while, like I mentioned, like you know, uh, that Starfleet is not the right track for him, I think you are absolutely right, Shy, that the experience is really valuable for him because what he learns, especially in this episode, about you know, not just from Picard but also through going through the test and having that moment of realization of, oh, this is exactly what you know Picard felt when he had to make the decision that cost my father his life, and it's like that's a big moment, not just for Wesley but for any child who's like lost a parent, it's like. I have to make the same kind of decision and I understand the logic and maybe and realizing how much you hate yourself in that moment, how weak you feel, how, mm. uh, how much you might like, rail against the universe of putting you in that situation. You're like, no, I get it now. Okay, fair enough. And that I think probably would help the, the relationship quite a bit and probably allows him to, you know, now that Picard knows he has that baseline and understands that he didn't, then it wasn't purely just a fuck up, although it may mm -hmm. well have also been partly that. It's a case of sometimes that's the hand you're dealt, and that allows him to meet him on a more even keel, as it were. 
uh, Kyung notes in chat that no more crazy than the test Pike put uh, that cadet through in the short track. It's kind of similar. It's a great Starfleet Psychological tradition. warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah, there's a bunch of sadists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the shady the, uh, Admiral board? Starfleet the, Academy. Yeah, the Admiral board that sits all in the shadows. These are not well-adjusted people. Come on. <laughs> you know. Um... So, yeah, I, th I think, uh, you know, and it wasn't until I was compiling these clips together to sort of kind of get a sort of show notes that I realised that, yeah, there is actually quite a bit of continuity in TNG for as much as it's episodic. There are, obviously, we see it with Worf, we see it with uh, Troy and her mother, and we also see it here, which I didn't realise this was one of the through lines, which was Picard and Wesley's interaction of how they build up, you know, the kind of open relationship. And one of the one of the great episodes is, is Samaritan Snare, where we do get mm. the infamous line from uh, Wesley. Where women are concerned, I am in complete control. Which always makes me completely crack up because it's just like, oh dear. <laughs> but but Wesley does prove it because the Dauphin, the game, you know, he's he he doesn't strike out. He's 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 you know he has some successes. Game. Yeah, he's he does. He got game. Yeah, he's, game. he's doing better than Jordy is. <laughs> Yes, that's because Wesley took Worf's advice. Which was stars, what was Worf's advice? Uh, you know, he'd love poetry, he'd duck a lot uh, when he throws <laughs> furniture at you. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to go about the one where, you know, you look... Oh, no, he said that to Geordie, didn't he? You got a yes, woman looking at the fire. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. see the fire in her eyes, and then Geordie looks yeah, at that's what so I was thinking of. <laughs> I'm fucking blind, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, why did I not get that until now, see the fire in your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> he just looks at him through the vice like you fucking. <laughs> um, but leads me to a good, you know, uh, there is actually a good scene uh, from the episode Samaritan Snare when they're both on the shuttle, and I'll, I'll play it now. I guess you would have preferred Commander Riker as a traveling companion. What? It's okay. You're not too comfortable with me. I understand. Ensign, Wesley, it's not true. You're a fine young man. You don't have to say that, sir. It's pretty obvious how you feel. Is it? How so? Everyone knows. You don't like kids. That's too bad. You might have made a good father. And I think that kind of demonstrates our earlier point. You, know, you would have made a good father, like Wesley kind of suddenly realizing that, like, Hang on a minute. When was I conceived and when did my father die? <laughs> it's like, wait, two years after he died? Hang on, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, the good old naval tradition. Guess what? Be Beverly put a lot of sperm on ice. It's fine. Don't worry. Uh, um. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. No, this is... This is, that's Wesley's Sorry. best non-uniform uniform, by the that way. That is actually, yes. That's the, very good. Yeah. The greys good. good. Look. It makes sense. The grey is a good look. Um, Samaritan Snare is interesting because that is half of a good episode. Like the stuff with uh, with uh, Wesley and Picard, I think, is, is actually a really nice little character hmm. piece. Um, it's like, guess what? Star Trek is sometimes at its absolute best when it's, we have no budget, throw oh, two actors episodes, yeah. into a room and have them talk. Hmm. Yeah, because when you have them set in a room and they just have to talk, you cannot write your way out of that easily. You have to actually sit down and think about character dynamics, and you have to think about 
what pushes this character to be like this? What makes this character uncomfortable? Why would they act like this in such a way? And Esmeralda Snow is actually a really good example of Picard's issues with emotional intimacy and allowing himself to be vulnerable because the entire reason he's taking a shuttlecraft to get to that starbase but i think it's because he doesn't want pulaski to do it even though it's a massive waste of time and resources and it means that the, the enterprise doesn't have its captain during a kind of combat situation and it's such a ridiculous con but it's all because of his ego and because of his need to present this uh, unflinching face in front of the crew and he has to learn guess what that doesn't always work out that way. People, your pants are going to fall down. People are going to see that you're human. You can't be the captain all the time. Oh, Eventually, you have to settle for being Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, really, he's, got a, he's got a uh, broken heart. Picard has literally, a broken literally heart. Literally has. Yeah. I think that was the first mention of his bar fight in that episode, wasn't it? Because that's what they first say about he was he was stabbed by the Norsican in a, yes. in a bar fight. Because he, he asked him how, why he is the and I think like Wesley going off, Wesley going off to Starfleet Academy today, you know, because he was that wasn't the coming of age one. That was you know he's just going to take the initial tests or um, yeah. something like that. And I think you know him suddenly turning around to Wesley and saying like, "Oh yeah, I used to get up to all sorts of shit in the academy. Don't you worry about it. Like I got stabbed once. I'm fine. You'll be all right." <laughs> Is that really well, good role model? The thing. Well, here's the thing, right? So Picard, when we meet him in TNG, is a man, like I said, a man of letters. He's like a, a diplomat, a philosopher, a man of you know high standing. Picard in the Academy is a fucking jock. Oh, yeah. Like, we hear all these stories about his academic and athletic achievements. He, like, blitzed that marathon, uh, according to freaking Admiral Haskell, or is it Hanson? I can't remember. The hmm. one who died at uh, Wolf 359. Hanson. Um, Hanson. He's yeah. handsome. Yeah, yeah. He's bedding women <laughs> left, right, and center to the point where Marta of uh, is fucking tired of his shit and he's getting slapped in the face. Um, he's getting into bar fights with Norsicans. He is not a well behaved person. No. But he's brilliant. Uh, he is. He's what James Kirk became. He became the Maverick, and then yeah, Kirk Miller out, and so yeah. there's that meme where it's just like what you think Kirk was in the Academy is like no, no, Kirk was the one that carried around the books, was the, the typical nerd. No, Picard yeah. was the jock. Picard was the one that Picard was like was picking on people like Kirk, you know, in the, in the sort of traditional analog yeah. sense of like college days. Yeah, and that's that's the interesting thing, and that's why Samaritan Snare works so well, is because you get this realization of you used to be a jock, and then you got humbled. Hmm. Um... I mean, and a knife through the heart will do that. Well, <laughs> well yeah. was it the knife through the heart? Or maybe it was losing Jack Crusher that actually helped Maybe he uh, was like that all through his command of the Stargazer. We don't know, do and we? That's what we yes, don't true. know. We don't know. Do you think, do you reckon, well, and do I secretly it's hope the, that season three it's of Picard... Is gonna sorry to interrupt. You. Season three of Picard is gonna have a flashback to the Stargaze, like the original Stargaze. It wouldn't just just cool. post it, and it's Tom Hardy. Anyway, sorry, carry on, Shyam. <laughs> no, I mean it's the it's the Henry V story, right? Like Prince Hal is a wild hooligan mm. in his youth, uh, and then he he his father dies, and he suddenly becomes a mellow and staid a king of men. You know, so mm. at what point? We we always thought it was the tapestry moment, right? The the knife through the heart that mm. that mellowed up Picard, but maybe it was something else later. 
Well, maybe it's a combination of all of them. Maybe it's a case of just yeah. a, a slow growth. We don't know how, what he was like after the the stabbing and then versus after the stargazer. But I also imagine the court martial probably was quite humbling for him because he's he seems quite bent up about it when he meets Louvois again. Um, but it's that's the other thing that makes it really hard for him to connect with Wesley was he was not like Wesley when he was a kid. He was the frat boy. He was making his brother Robert incredibly jealous with all of his achievements. He was. That's another well, thing. Is like he actually had a sibling. Like uh, Wesley mm. didn't have that. Wesley didn't have didn't that have time. Kind of, like family growth. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Picard is coming. To, like, okay, how do I connect with a child who is so utterly unlike me? Who is just quiet and like you know a little bit isolated and a bit awkward. And it's like I, I was never like that when I was a child. I had a fucked up childhood in other ways, but not like that. And it's, <laughs> it's always fun seeing characters try to wrestle with that and trying to connect even though it's so outside of their comfort zone. That's part of the, re- the reason why the relationship does work. And then he just sits there eating cucumber sandwiches on a shuttle pod, like, waiting to get his heart replaced. Like, that's if that's not humbling, I don't know what... It, if that's not, yeah. a, like, a, a fall from grace, but bouncing, like, but then recovering, like, to captain the Enterprise, you know, that's, that's, the, that's the positive trend. Mm. Like, don't be like Jean-Luc Picard, but be like Jean-Luc Picard. That's the message there. Um, yeah, I think sort of uh, coming around to the... Um, topic of um jack crusher and how wesley found out about it and um how he dealt with um that reaction to his father dying and knowing that picard was in command um another little clip for you uh from the bonding jeremy wesley's father died on a starfleet mission when he was younger than you are Wes, your mother told me you were finding it difficult to talk to Jeremy. Why is that? I don't know. I just don't want to think about it anymore. All this has reminded me so much of that day. The day I told you your father had been killed. As I recall, Wesley, you took it very well. My parents had told me about the dangers of Starfleet missions. I knew it could happen. So you were prepared? No, I wasn't prepared at all. How can anyone be prepared to hear that a parent is never coming home again? I tried to be what everyone expected of me. Brave and mature. Wesley, are you saying that you didn't want anybody to see what you were really feeling? Or what were you really feeling? Like, somebody had kicked me in the head. Somebody. Go on. You've wanted to tell him for a long time. I was angry at you. Why angry? Why were you angry at me, Wesley? Were you angry at me because I was the one who had told you your father was dead? No. Then why? Because you led the mission. You came home and my father didn't. How long were you angry with the captain, Wes? For a long time. But not anymore, sir. Not even a little. 
I really like that scene. Like that is actually probably one of like Will Wheaton's probably best acted scenes, and like that interaction with Picard is is really you could see him actually like you know you know when you're opening up about something you're uncomfortable about, you do breathe a lot, and you you know you're working up to it, and he does you know, and that 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 was a really nice moment that illustrates that what Picard assumed was just a kind of oh your father's dead, so sorry, and off we go. Uh, was kind of like oh wait no actually this was a human being behind here. Man, the bonding, like we, we, you know, season three is identified as the point in which TNG got really, really good, right? Like, it's one of my favorite. I scenes. feel like it really might actually be the bonding is where TNG really grows into its own because it's mm. it's such a mature episode and it's just such a hard hitter. Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely would agree that like where we can kind of knock it out of the park there because it's got all of that uh that repression, just like that slow build up, build up, build up, build up, and then Troy kind of gives him the okay and then he just lets go and he does not stop mm. and then he kind of exhausts himself and he has to kind of take it like, you know, like take a step back and go but you know i'm past that now it's i think you know, i think there's a good the, spoof moment catharsis. in here where you could go he could unload all this and he walks off and he comes back and another thing let me tell you about that time on <laughs> the bridge he's, when he's he told drunk. me to shut up <laughs> he walks up for a second and comes back instantly drunk is that yeah <laughs> is that <laughs> And no, but this can... is what I was talking about before. Like when when the writers and the directors give Will Wheaton uh, or know how to like highlight Will Wheaton's talents and like give him like a really thoughtful scene with someone else, then then, then that's when the Wesley character shines. You know, this is this is a, a good Wesley moment. Hmm. Yeah, yeah it's I, I still would have like liked the real yeah. person. Right. I think the further and further he gets away from being the Roddenberry self-insert, yeah. you know, idealized prodigy uh, character, and the more he gets to grappling with the realities of Starfleet pressure and what a Starfleet life can do to a child, um, it's a much more interesting and thoughtful character, and you get to see, you get to see him break. You know, it's like he says hmm. in the actual clip, it's. It, yeah, I, I was what everyone expected me to be. I was brave and I was mature, even though I was like, you know, dying on the inside from like the realization I'd never see my dad again. Um, that's 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 heavy stuff to mm. deal with for a kid. You know, and the like, whole episode as well, because you know the Jeremy Astor Wharf relationship as well is, mm. you know, it, you know, obviously it's the self analog of it, but it's 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 a good episode, like you say. It is the point where mm. I think you know I'm watching TNG. Like that was the season I kind of went like, oh, this is what real television is like. As a kid, you're just watching cartoons and you're just watching like you know high octane. <laughs> like there's lots of noises and sound and this is great. And um, eventually, you're just sitting down watching TNG and watching you know Patrick Stewart's dialogues and these kind of moments kind of made me kind of think like, oh, this is what mature people. This is what adults watch. This is what real television is like. This is, and then very disappointed to find out no, it's not. People watch trash. <laughs> people watch yeah. much worse things. And actually, TNG's really yeah. good. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, I also find that clip really interesting because, uh, guess what? Patrick Stewart's fucking incredible, right? He's mm -hmm. a fucking incredible yeah. actor, even after the age of, what, 84, I think he is now? Um, seeing uh, him confront the idea that he apparently had never considered before, and I can kind of believe it, that Wesley would be angry at him, not because he was the bearer of bad news, but because he was explicitly responsible. Mm. And seeing him get be taken aback but like kind of forging through it for um jeremy's sake like that's a that's a big hit to him because i imagine that that was something he probably gave himself solace over he was probably like well at least wesley doesn't blame me 
you know, mm. like that would have been, you know, he took it like a champ. He, you know, he didn't Which blame is... me, and I appreciate that. That was probably important to Picard, and then learning, yeah. no, he did blame you because how could he not? He was a child, and he didn't understand any better. And even if he wasn't a child, he probably would have blamed you because that's how, that's how emotions work. This is this and is the breakdown. Confront that. Yeah, this is the breakdown between like older and younger people, like in the way that the, the you know, as someone myself thinking, I remember when I was a teenager, I can deal with it. No, 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 I've grown and moved on since then. And talking mm. to my children about their emotional problems, I can't understand it in the way that they want to express it, and I know that. And as, but it's yeah, I can see that in Wesley, like in Picard's relationship there, and especially in the bonding, like there is definitely a divide between what Picard expects or assumes mm. and what Wesley is trying to deliver. And you go, oh wait, I was actually wrong. And like being being an adult and willing to admit you're wrong is a big move. And yeah. as like you know, Picard said, you know, failure is failure is isn't isn't losing its life. Yeah, it's you have to eventually come back to the fact that you are going to fail at some point. Now, mm. I want to highlight two comments from chat because chat is full of wonderful people. Oh, First off, Nitty Mittens points out Wesley probably does have a little brother or sister in the form of a small candle. <laughs> um, and second of all, Cranky asks how different things would have been if Wesley had been a girl as was originally oh, wow. yeah, planned, yeah. aka Leslie Crusher as was the original plan. Um, I don't know. I don't have as much faith in the TNG writing room to handle mm. a teenage girl. I don't have faith in them to do that, given how badly Troy and Crusher were handled for the you majority really... of their lifespan well, on that show. Yeah, and you also have to look at like, characters like Nella... Uh, uh, what was her name? Nella O'Darren? Nella Darren. No, no, not Nella Darren. Odell. Nella, oh, um, Odell. Yeah. That's the yeah, one. Yeah. Um, Howard was like, this is what a woman is. And yeah, if you're going to go for the teenage angle in the 80s, mm, yeah. there's going to be some problem problematic things there. Yeah, I just don't have faith in them to do that. If you gave that to the Voyager cast who handled Naomi Wildman extremely well, yeah. or if you gave the DS9 cast who were able to handle, like, you know, the um, few arcs with. Um, What's that that Dawa girl that um, Jake was dating for a few bits of time? Oh like, god, I've, there yeah. were a few. Yeah, she was written quite well. Um, it's just, I don't think TNG was quite there yet. I no. think things would have been considerably worse, and I think it would have been considerably more embarrassing. If not, like I think they might have even just like aborted the character a bit more easily because they were like, "Well, we don't know how to handle women," because that was a very male-dominated there... writer's room. Any TNG. F- any teen- I'm gonna say females there, like I'm some sort of octogenarian. Any TNG girls, uh, any teenage girls on TNG get the words out eventually. Um, in the show, I mean, we get small children because um, obviously Salia. you get. Like, so yeah, true. So you kind of do get that aspect a little bit. A little bit, yeah. but it's mm. that, that would have come down to a very tricky getting lucky casting mm. uh, issue if they like if they cast the right person, it could have worked great. Like someone who yeah. could have transcended the the limitations of the mostly male writers room it, it might have worked what about yeah. if you got um, um ashley judd so that would have yeah. <laughs> ashley judd yeah. would have been fantastic actually i was thinking yeah, leffler kind of is a gender flipped wesley in some yeah. ways mm-hmm. like she's a bit more socially well adjusted but she kind of has that kind of thing to it if they'd have written female wesley as well as you know ashley judd as lieutenant leffler then yeah, yeah that, that maybe could have worked but that required yeah. a much more mid- post writer strike um exactly writing like stuff. Season, yeah. that's season five that's a very different show with a very yeah. different writer's room yeah I was but if they, was... Had, if they had cast ashley judd as that as a gender flipped character then we would have missed out on 
so many like middle of the road romantic comedies down the line. <laughs> <laughs> so about, and we would have um, missed that on this long, this thick. Who yeah. was like Justice would have played very differently. Uh, hang on, wait, 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 wait. I have a button for that. Did I not put the button on it? Oh, I didn't put the button on it. Oh no, yes I did. About this long, this thick. Shut up, Wesley. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, who was it in Imaginary Friend? The famous actress who played Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. That's it. She a bit. She probably would. Yeah, she would definitely be too young. But yeah, no. I'm. I'm trying to think other actresses around that time that maybe could have fit the bill. And all I'm stuck on is Ashley Judd now. Uh, I'm sure if you just look like, at the cast of Dallas or whatever they put yeah. on, yeah, like Molly, Molly Ringwald, Demi oh, yeah, Moore, yeah. you know the whole, oh, wow, yeah. whole '80s Brat Pack yeah, could have been are. a drug uh, into the Star Trek realm. Anyway, where women are concerned, I am in complete control. As he says. Yeah. So let's uh, move on to Wesley. You know, Wesley gets his eventually does get his commission. He does um, become an official ensign, red uniform and all. And despite sort of kind of, I think he kind of did the Zoom uh, Star Trek uh, Starfleet Academy session at that point. He didn't have to race off and then kind of went, I'm going back to he the was like, Bye. He was accredited enough that Riker was more than happy to give him the order to ram the uh, the Enterprise into a ball cube. So guess what? You're Starfleet by that point. Yeah, <laughs> trial by fire, That's sort right. of a uh, Nog style. Is just like he went from like cadet to lieutenant junior command just through the Dominion War. It's like yeah, you've earned it. We, we you've seen battle. You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah. I, yeah. can you imagine being like what seventy years old and your commanding officer says well, we're gonna die now and then be like <laughs> yeah no because I think yeah. even gives Riker a double leg. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like, can I can I go into the escape pod with the other children? <laughs> yeah, right. So hang on, no, all right. I guess <laughs> died here. Yeah, what are we doing, Just Riker and Wesley's war crimes? Bolts off the bridge. <laughs> Could you imagine? But yes, he kind of gets his, his uniform. And I want to kind of flip towards another good um, Picard and Wesley interaction with the final mission, which was obviously um, Picard and Wesley and nameless goon number 348, I forget his name, getting stranded on the uh, almost demon class, very dusty, dry planet uh, after surviving, not being able to get back up. But there was a moment where Picard gets concussed and uh, Wesley has to look after him. We do have this little piece of opening up. Do you remember when we took the shuttlecraft together to Starbase 515? I was dreading it. Six hours alone with you? But it didn't turn out the way that I thought. You opened up to me. I, I kind of got to know you. That's right. It's my fault. Sir, I'm honored that you wanted me along. I was selfish. I thought I wouldn't see you again. I'm sorry. Sir, in the past three years, I've lived more than most people do in a lifetime. I think I'm very lucky. No matter what happens, many people get to serve with Jean-Luc Picard? Quite a lot, actually. Um, he's, he gets around a bit in the fleet. But that was 
that that was a, a nice moment. And also one thing I, I you know I, I forgot because I haven't watched this episode for a while, but um, good callback to the you know the Samaritan Snare. The writers were like, oh, you remember all these these episodes we did back then? Like, let's you know something you don't expect TNG to do, but it was you know. But once again, the directors have screwed Will Wheaton here because they're shooting him from an angle where he's looking down at the card and you can't see his eyes at all, right? <laughs> they're just yeah. completely downtrodden. Instead of shooting up from a Dutch angle of some sort and like <laughs> letting you see Will Wheaton's eyes, which is his like screen talent, like that's his talent. Let us see yeah. Will Wheaton acting with his eyes. No, Guess what? when they cut to Picard, is you... really good at uh, denying people who use their eyes the use of their eyes. <laughs> the yeah, yeah, exactly. It's very true. Mm. Yeah, so you know the the, the final the final mission, Picard opening up and saying like, "Look, I just I wanted to see you one last time. I wanted to get off." You know, it almost that definitely pushes through that theory that Picard now knows. Yeah, he's like he's gone. He's taken the DNA test surreptitiously, and he's gone like, I, I'm, I'm your dad. Like it has to be at this point. He doesn't want to let him go. He's not got that connection with any other child or officer in the Enterprise. Like think about it. Think about Riker. Think about Geordi. Think about well, Data's probably the exception. He probably has that with Data, but he doesn't have that kind of like, oh, I'm willing to sort of break regulations and do this with you because like you know, just because you're Beverly, something my ex crush's son. Like he's got nothing to prove to Beverly at this point. They've kind of got their own sort of separate boundaries that maybe we'll have a little bit more explained about in, in season three. But this is definitely a step above and beyond for what would normally be um, also, a usual uh... attachment. He's also concussed here. <laughs> True. But that it's it still like doesn't rely on his original, you know, wanting to go on the mission, you know, breaking the captain's prerogative, because, you know, going on a shuttle alone with an ensign on the way to Starfleet Academy, like, that's... Hmm. Well, I mean, it's an unusual request anyway, because the mm -hmm. entire reason he's doing the thing is because he's got an ego about it. Um, <laughs> Starfleet's probably like, really, Jean-Luc, just get the fucking surgery done. Okay, fine, whatever. Oh, no, I was talking um, about the shuttle on the final mission. Oh, great right, well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's this thing where Wesley is not just... Um, it, it's this weird thing where Wesley is a lot of things at the same time. He represents... You know, he's he's you know, a young child in, in, in many ways. He's not very mature, although he tries his best to be, um, which I think is always one of the most hilarious parts when he's trying to be mature and failing. Um, He's, you know, a burgeoning extraterrestrial, um, extra-dimensional being. Um, he's a burgeoning Starfleet officer. He's many things all in one. And I think Picard just kind of sees that potential and he just wants to nurture it, even if he doesn't know always why. I think it's also a case if he sees a part of Jack in him. And we get the impression that, we, you know, we don't know a ton about Jack Crusher. We know that he had a, lot, a, a really good sense of humor. Because there's that great anecdote that um, Beverly tells him about um, uh, her, him giving her the book uh, "How to Advance Your Career Through Marriage" uh, as like kind of cheeky proposal gift. It's like I, I think he sees a lot of Jack in Wesley, and I think that the same part of him that was such good friends with uh, Jack kind of wants to be around Wesley, not mm. just because. Um, he wants to be a, a father figure for him, or because he feels indebted to him, but because he's he just genuinely likes being around him, which I think is an aspect that I think kind of gets forgotten in a lot of like father son relationships. It's not just a case of you know I have to learn from you, I have to be like you, I have to you know set a good example for you, I have to guide you through life. It's also a case of it helps to like to be around each other, you know, and 
Worse though, he can be a massive dork. Like he, he has a sense of humor. He's he's smart. He's diligent. And Picard, I think, respects that in in his way. I don't think it has to be a biological relationship in order for Picard to find value in him. Um, and then let's go to the other side of it. So you know, Wesley, for all his academic prowess, ends up going to the academy and. Uh, does in fact meet Tom Paris. Ah, uh, sorry, <laughs> Nick Lacano, um, and sort of gets you know, persuaded into maybe not being quite the ideal officer, and kind of reinforces your points earlier about you know Wesley not quite sure what he's doing and being a led astray teenager getting into your problems mm. like you do at school, like lots of people have. You've got, definitely got into that situation where oh no, I don't know what to do, so I'm either going to follow the crowd or I'm going to speak up against it. And um, let's have a look at possibly one of the most famous speeches in, in Star Trek and one of the probably the most defining points with Picard and Wesley's um, relationship. Do you remember the first day you came aboard this ship? Your mother brought you on the bridge. Yes, sir. You even sat in my chair. I was annoyed. Presumptuous child playing on my ship. But I never forgot how you already knew every control, every display. You behaved as though you belonged on the bridge. And then later, when I decided to make you an acting ensign, I was convinced you could be an outstanding officer. And I never questioned that conviction. Until now. The first duty of every Starfleet officer is to the truth, whether it's scientific truth or historical truth or personal truth. It is the guiding principle on which Starfleet is based. If you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth about what happened, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. I'm going to make this simple for you, Mr. Crusher. Either you come forward and tell Admiral Brand what really took place, or I will. Captain. Dismissed. you know you can feel the disappointment in picard coming through like that is a real moment of like look how much like from the opening statement you know i brought you onto the bridge i i put so much into you into this character and to see you doing this shit like righteous picard is the best because so good so good that's up there with uh how many people does it take before it becomes wrong admiral, admiral um, yeah. it's a really really good one um Man, he gives it to him so badly, and it is uh, as uh, as uh, Strange New Pod points out, it is very well deserved because Wesley fucked up. Mm-hmm. Wesley fucked up bad, and he fucked up in a really stupid way. Like it's not even a fuck up where you can kind of go, you know what? Like I understand why you did it. It's like, you you fucked up because you wanted to be flashy, and that's what I think really gets Picard's goat. Is that he didn't fuck up because he took a risk doing a scientific venture. He didn't take a risk to help someone and got himself hurt. He took a risk to show off. And that's something that he doesn't expect from Wesley. That's something that you know Wesley did when he was drunk off of polywater virus. Not Wesley in his right mind thinking, yeah, I want to show off. I want to I want to be cool in front of everyone. And I think that's what gets to Picard the most. Um and it's really interesting to me that he drums into Wesley it is about truth. And I think while, you know, 
Wesley accepts the you know, the uh, the having to go through um, the punishment of going through the year again, and everyone knowing what he did. Um, there's this interesting combination of maybe this is what sparks that um, self-examination, and maybe thinking, "Do I belong in Starfleet?" You know, mm. not just because I fucked up and not just because I'm going to have to deal with the recrimination of that and that's going to be hard and, you know, for some people, it being hard is the reason why you don't do it because it's like, fuck that, it's hard, I don't want to do it. Um, but it's also a case of, like, I put my... I was in a situation in which I could hurt someone and someone got hurt in the worst way possible. And it's like, I don't think he wants that responsibility in some ways. I don't think he thinks he's ready for it or maybe he isn't ready for it or maybe he ever will be maybe he's like maybe after having you know all the experiences with you know the you know learning what picard felt ordering my my father's to his death maybe i'm just not capable of that kind of decision and i don't want to be in that situation again and that's what leads to journey's mm-hmm. end um maybe if you're more cynical you believe no he just found it too hard and he flunked out because mm. you know it, it's that's the that's the cynical I, I view, don't, but no, I don't no. personally think that's what you no. know. <clears throat> that, that's not the Wesley I think we see, but that's that that's the uncharitable way to view it, especially given how he acts in Journey's End because he's a real prick in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, sorry, quick, well, quick one. Uh, Strangely Pod says, uh, well, uh, uh, wonderful host Julian from Strangely Pod says, sorry, I got to praise praise our wonderful host for taking yeah. it. Uh, no doubt, but Wesley was a full blown ensign before this. He was also Wolf three five nine. Yeah, he's a kid, but he also served on the Enterprise and had great examples around him. Mm. And I think I think that comes down to environment, doesn't it? And how changeable mm. people are. Like you get used to being in a certain situation, you act in a certain way. I remember. When I went up, when I, you know, not, not in the extreme at all, still went from home and I went up to uni. I went, I went up north. I went up north to so go to university. And I thought, oh, you're quite posh, aren't you? Because you've got quite a posh accent for, you know, and everyone's talking about it. And I was like, okay, I need to adapt to this situation. You know, Wesley's now suddenly going from being around all adults, you know, and all sort of responsibilities, suddenly being like people say, he's like Cranky said, he's going around people that are his age, that are, mm. he's, he's having that chance to actually make stupid decisions and be a teenager at last you know kind of embrace that kind of part of his life that he he lost and yes as as, as mc says uh, tom paris uh, nick locano is a very charming man yeah well is this is, that thing is, is this your posh accent idol <laughs> unless you're from the yes uh, this is my very posh accent i'll have you know as is the queen's english i'll, I'll yes <laughs> Oh dear. Mm. Um, I do think that it's an interesting point, though, is that Wesley kind of got done dirty in that um, when he was a child, he was you know, living with Beverly. We don't know what that kind of home environment was like, but it was probably kind of isolated, you know, knowing what we know about Wesley as a, as a child. Um, then he goes to living on the Enterprise, where there are very few people of his age group, it seems like. There are a few, but he doesn't seem to form any lasting relationships with them because we don't see them very often. He's mostly around adults, and being the mature kid uh, who everyone praises for their intelligence and preferring the uh, company of adults, that can really uh, screw your socialization up because you aren't used to how people your age group act, and it can kind of throw off um how you act and you can come across as maybe a bit snide or maybe like you're too good to hang out with your age group um but it also robs you of the ability to make stupid decisions in low stakes environments um Mm -hmm. the worst thing that can happen to you when you're like 13 
in a normal environment is, oh no, I fucked up a test. Oh no, I broke mom's precious vase. I ate dad's homework, you know, whatever. Um, but Wesley never really had that chance um, because he had all these expectations placed on him. He went from isolated child to I'm surrounded by people who all expect a lot from me. And if I make a mistake, that not only reflects badly on me, but it reflects badly on my mother's professional standing. It reflects badly on the captain who's given me a chance of standing. So he goes from that to the academy where he's surrounded by people who have had the chance to make mistakes when they were younger in lower stakes environments. And so they think they know how to calculate the odds and you know make mistakes in higher stakes environments and get away with it okay. Um, and even though Wesley should know better, his socialization and his dealing with purely adults almost entirely means that he's like, yeah, sure, it'll be fine. I, I've dealt with this before. He just doesn't have the experience to identify that this is a bad decision. He just has been... He hasn't had the chance to make mistakes all the time. I think he even goes into that in Evolution hmm. with Guinan, where it's like, you know, he makes that mistake with the nanites and it's not a it's not a small mistake it's a big mistake he nearly destroyed the entire enterprise he created a sentient race he nearly ruined Stubbs's um experiment i mean on the enterprise that's no just tuesday like, that's the... <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing is like he's not in an environment where he can make a low stakes mistake and that's a problem hmm. for him that's a problem for children is that you if you gr grow up in life thinking that every time you make a mistake it could potentially destroy the ship which you know, happens a good few times in season one as well, suddenly you think, oh, well, I can't make mistakes. And then you create this pattern of behavior where it's like, you never make mistakes because you, mm. if, you, if you make mistakes, it goes wrong. And then that turns into, I can't make mistakes because I never make mistakes. You know, I always get an A. And that can turn in, that, that confidence and that need to control your behavior suddenly turns into arrogance. Mm. And that can be a really fatal flaw. Uh, MC in chat comes up with a very good, very good point. The last time Wesley told the truth about doing something wrong, they tried to execute him. So I can't, you can't really blame him for, for just kind of going like, well, I don't want to get on a planet full of like half-dressed um, horny people again. Because he might end up coming up with comments uh, like... About this long, this thick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, Wesley, come on the bridge. Anyway, um, <laughs> Michelle points out that uh, Wesley wanted that pressure. Yeah, I think uh, Wesley is one of those children that does respond well to being put under under pressure because it pushes you to perform harder. But it can also, you know, it's it's the I, I, I kind of went through this where it's like if you're a high scoring academic child and then you go suddenly into an environment where you're just average which he kind of is in Starfleet Academy. Maybe his grades are pretty good, but he's relatively, like, everyone is good at Starfleet Academy. <laughs> I'm gonna go with, a prodigy in some way. I'm Sim going to go with Simpsons did it. Are you going to go there, Shy? Yeah. Is that the least? No, no, no going, I was oh. going to point, go, like, the whole point of, like, the prodigy coming onto the ship. Um, Yeah, we didn't get enough of that. Like, hmm. a lot of the good Wesley scenes are, like, when he's with someone who's also a prodigy, like Stubbs hmm. uh, from yeah. the Nanite episode, like the, like the Traveler. Um... Hmm. Discovery sort of handled this a little better when Adira mm. came onto the ship and they were being all kind of snotty and uh, Tilly was like, 
you don't get to do that. We're all smart here. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like this is the flagship of the Federation. Wesley should have come on being very smart, but also realizing that mm. the Forge is super smart. Data is like uh, the Mary Sue of Mary Sue robots yeah. ever. They could do everything. You know, everyone's really good at their job on the flagship. Um, so in that regard, it's a little weird that he was so able to cave to peer pressure on, at Starfleet Academy. Uh for first duty because well yeah you know they're they're good there but they're not as good as the people on the enterprise you know they're still mm. just i think yeah cadets. but you know what this is go on this is back to the future part two this is marty mcfly is a really smart really resourceful thinking on his feet smart kid who maybe doesn't score so well at school but he's a good guy but the instant you call him a chicken his fucking intelligent brain just flies right out the back of his skull and it's like i could absolutely imagine a scenario in which yeah wesley was an instant at the con when they were about to ram the ball cube uh wesley saved captain mccall's life wesley has done this has done that and then Nick Lacano says, you don't want to do the Colbert Star Wars? What a fucking pussy. <laughs> and then that just triggers something primal. Yeah. That male ego responds to that in a way that he's never been challenged like that before. Because who's going to challenge him and call him a pussy on the Enterprise? <laughs> but they will at the Academy. Yeah. They yeah, will right. absolutely do that. Where are your balls, man? You don't want to okay. show off? You run the Enterprise. Don't you want to be cool in front of everyone? What about if the characters of Wesley and Barkley had been swapped? Because I, I remember that scene where mm. Barkley's in engineering and he's trying to come out with his point. And, you know, obviously people sort of side-eyeing, going, oh, this guy again, and not, not taking him seriously. If they'd have put Wesley in that position of the senior mm. crew just going, oh, you know, it's just the kid talking. And actually, no, no, the kid's right. That may have reinforced the idea well, that... season one. Kind of, a little yeah. bit. You mean, you mean data lore? In, in data lore, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Well, in fact, that, <laughs> yeah. very, that is the. And it was awful. But, but, but they do. Awful. But they do actually. Geek does reluctantly go. Shut up, Wesley. And go. Yeah, just send a security team. It um, <laughs> doesn't. He so you know, it, it does prove the point. They still have Wesley. But there's never a moment where they're kind of just dismissing him out of hand or like having a part of a team and they're just going right. We're going to get on with this job. And he goes, but I have all these ideas. I'm like, yeah, no, no, shut up, kid. Get in your place. Well, like he's always there, the a part of the crew, isn't with, he? Um, what well, ensigns of command and science of command? I think it is. Is that the one where he's got to create his own science team? Hmm. Um, and he has to deal yeah. with the the pushback no, from the other officer. It's oh, pen pals. That's right. Sorry, oh, yeah. he's, he's, he's the beast. He's the beast story in that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And it's like that pushback is where he gets that, and it's like he has to learn to grow a mm. spine. But it's like that is that it's the double edged sword of you know uh, confidence and self actualization can so easily turn to arrogance without tempering and Wesley goes a long time without making a lot of mistakes and that can create a bad streak so that's why I, I buy the first two three. like on the first watch you're like really Wesley but it's kind of meant to put you in that Picard like mind state of like what what the hell man I expected better from you but mm -hmm. yeah. uh, the more you kind of examine how he's been socialized and the actual trend of how what he's been taught and the lessons he's been given. Yeah, I can kind of see that. And it's like, again, I absolutely believe that Lacano called yeah. him a pussy. And so he just oh, didn't yeah. have a response to that. So like, peer pressure is I'll real. I'll show peer you. Pressure. It's like, right, this kid didn't peer, work. Peer pressure right, is real and eternal. Let me go to DS9 and find this Harry Kim fellow. Maybe he'll, he'll do as he's told. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, seeing that this actually is supposed to be Captain Picard week, let's let's uh, tie things up with a, a little qu- a little question for the both of you. Let's take something from our Star Trek 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 series. Watch out on YouTube. Um, and best Picard and Wesley moment and worst Picard and Wesley moment. So, Shy, we'll start with you. Oh, you just you just played it. I mean, the first duty is by far the best Picard uh, Wesley mm. moment. I imagine. Um, what's the worst one? You may have also played it. <laughs> in, the, I may have in the in the orange I I do I mean You know, as I said, at the time I wasn't yeah, at the time I wasn't crazy about Wesley, but rewatching episodes I, I've come to appreciate what Whedon was doing and like what hmm. the uh the production team was not giving him to uh to help him. Um it's just any moment when he's sort of sub- being directed to be sort of wide-eyed and uh, in awe of things, like when he's being uh, promoted to Ensign. You know, Picard's doing great, Riker's being utterly charming, and they just give Whedon this terrible, terrible orange sweater. And, uh, That's great! Directed what is wrong him. with that sweater? That is brilliant. <laughs> the, the sweater that... is outperforming. <laughs> yes, exactly. That is okay, the I'll give you that. <laughs> they, they've just told Wesley to be sort of like, you know, mouth mouth dropping. Uh, so it's those moments that are are the worst for me. Okay. You know, obviously, Journey's End is not great, but uh... hmm. yeah. Um, I think for me the best moment probably would be the bit from the bonding because that is just so raw mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. just kills it. Like it's not often that you can be in a scene, you know, almost one to one with Patrick Stewart and be acting on the same level like that. Oh, we can only so dream, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he absolutely matches him in that scene, and it's like you absolutely buy that Picard is flawed by that and that it's coming out of nowhere and that challenges him and forces him to grow. Like, you know, grief is a awful process but it does also force growth it forces you to you know grow past the the wounds that you've sustained and you know force you to confront some harsh truths um worst moment uh it's probably like uh, one of the myriad moments in season one where they're just kind of fawning over him and just like you're know, going oh man you saved the ship again because that happens at least three times like i'm thinking of you know naked now um a good few other ones where it's just like what you you don't undermine the chain of command and your main characters by you know propping up the prodigy because it doesn't do favors to anyone it doesn't look make it doesn't make picard look good it makes uh, wesley an object of you know absolute you know, derision and hatred by the fandom it makes your universe seem stupid that uh, a teenager can outsolve a group of a thousand people on the flagship of the federation just you know, just allow the characters to be themselves, allow the characters to have flaws that make sense for them. You know, Picard is so much more interesting as a emotionally unreachable, you know, father to his men, but father to no one in terms of the emotional, you know, uh, very master and commander kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. Precisely. Well, Mm -hmm. that's the naval tradition of, you know, like the, the young ensign having to learn that from your commanding officer. That's way more interesting of a dynamic than you know, just awkwardly forcing someone to kowtow to the prodigy because they're the writer's self-insert. Like, that's so much more awkward. Master and Commander, third best Star Trek film. <laughs> really? Wrong. 
I mean, is it just the holodeck <laughs> episode from Generations? Is that all it is for like two hours? <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. That'd be great. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, Master and Commander is like uh, an adaptation of uh, Balance of Terror, essentially. Ooh. But if you ever go back and rewatch that movie, no, it's okay because we already have the best adaptation of Balance and Terror, and that was the finale of Strange New World season one. So no, no. Oh well, that's a conversation <laughs> for another day, I think. <laughs> Uh, final question uh, from myself. Oh, actually, I uh, know I'm gonna I'm gonna give my best moment. Sorry, I, for- I completely forgot about me. Um, best moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop in and say yes, absolutely. It was the first duty moment. It was the moment where Picard becomes loggerheads with Wesley, and you actually see a bit of dynamic there, and he, he gives him what he is due, which is a good verbal slap, really, to say, look, this is what you're here for. This is what you're doing. Sort yourself out, and I'm going to steal my um, worst moment from chat from MC because um, I completely agree. I think the worst moment is when Wesley appears in Picard and never interacts with Picard. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Why bring Will Wheaton in if he's not going to talk to the crew? Like, uh, and he even said he's not back for season three, but is on the imminent. On the imminent, I do have one final question for you guys before we sign off for the evening. Would you fight? Would you rather fight? One giant Picard or a hundred cat-sized Wesleys? Uh, do I have access to an EMP device? Uh, why would that matter? No, okay, because this is going to be... If I activate the EMP device, then I can kill the giant Picard spacemaker instantly. Mm, I'm going to say no, you're not allowed it. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. You're um, easy on fists. Probably, probably the, the, the thousand cat-sized Wesleys. I'd okay. say that. How giant is Giant Picard? I'm going to say, oh no, what? Giant Spock from TAS? Yeah, yeah, that's what, what is it, about 60 foot, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Ant-Man. Yeah, Ant-Man. <laughs> Shy? What's Serious questions here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I too will fight the, the 100 cat size hmm. Wesleys. <laughs> because, um, you know, their, their coats would just be so adorable. They'd be all like fluffy and green and orange and you know, i assume there'd just be a collection of all his tng sweaters all these cats would be wearing so you just have to turn around and go the first duty the first duty the first duty the first duty and it's right. <laughs> like oh no i'm emotionally crippled so no all right gentlemen you have been an absolute delight tonight and thank you everyone in chat for joining us it's been brilliant to have you all here especially big thanks to julian and the strange new pod crew you guys thank you very much for allowing us to come on and share our wonderful wisdom for this fantastic captain yes, picard week. i hope our discussion has been up to par and that we have not yes we are we have never usually this professional um but um sometimes we can achieve it uh if you guys want to see some more of us check the links below we stream every wednesday on twitch.tv slash trek time around this time um and occasionally other dates as well uh so god saturday here and there <clears throat> as part of our schedule you can also check all our repeats on youtube.com slash at trek time we have a twitter as well which is trek time underscore because the name was taken and i had to adapt it and if you want to come and join our discord that is uh bit.ly slash trek underscore time so please come and join um we do have a lot of fun we've got a big lineup for things coming in march we have one of our shows called pros and cons which where we have myself dressed up as q and we have a little game show playing two sides of an opposite debate we had one recently is like who was right in uh, justifying the murder of t- tuvix was it janeway or was it tuvix with uh, two of our uh, good supporters uh, <laughs> <Janeway. Jostanian. laughs> and skycap <laughs> uh, we also have star trek adventures 
matches we play we've just we're nearly nearly about to wrap up our Klingon campaign and um, we have our yearly charity show which we're going to be doing sometime in April mm. uh, last year we raised over $2,500 and we hopefully will have another great time with that again this year so if you want to check out some more of us uh, please check the links below and come come and join us it's great fun but again thank you very much to Strange New Pod uh, for hosting us and uh, thank you to everyone thank you to you guys as well for coming and doing this with me and I hope we will see you all soon and I think it's time for our now traditional outro featuring one young Kate Mulgrew live long and prosper everyone and we'll see you soon bye bye the handle's Kate Colombo that's a big 10-4 